Hello, my name is Meg. Welcome to the Unedited Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. The goal of this podcast is to help you develop and enjoy the habit of daily Bible reading and prayer. About 20 years ago, at a very low spot in my life, I was convicted to begin this simple discipline, and I looked up years down the road to see how God had used this habit to heal deep places in my heart and do incredible things in my life. And so over the years, it's really become my greatest passion to help others get to know Jesus through His Word and through His presence. Through this podcast, I'm hoping to help you see the Word of God with fresh eyes, to learn to slow down with your Bible, and ultimately to fall in love with your Bible. So thank you so much for joining me for this journey. I'm so glad to have you here. Today, I'm going to talk about finding hope in the Bible. I know that many who are listening to this are probably in beautiful seasons and this may not seem to apply, but I do, from statistics, know that we live in a world where a lot of people are facing hopelessness, facing despair, and this will resonate with some others. Statistics prove that we live in a world with a lot of hopelessness. If we look around, and I'm not going to get into numbers, but we see the suicide pandemic, we see depression rates, we see um, the rise of mental illness, and we know that a lot of people are wrestling with feelings of hopelessness and feelings of despair. Last Friday, as I was driving home from camp with a van full of luggage, and just thinking, I had Romans 15, 4 repeatedly come to my mind. And this is what it says. It says, for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. We can find hope in the word of God. And how does this tie into establishing the habit of daily Bible reading and prayer? When we learn to turn to Jesus for comfort and for hope, and we allow his word to minister to us, it literally weaves itself into the fabric of our lives and into our hearts. And it becomes something that draws us back to his word again and again. When God ministers to us as we sit at his feet and as we read his word, we know where to turn the next time. And we know where to turn the next time. And it becomes part of the pattern of our lives. Again, Reading the word of God for hope is not the primary reason that we read the Bible. The first reason we read the Bible is to find salvation, to find our doctrinal belief system. But finding hope in the scriptures will knit your heart to God's heart and will help you establish the habit of daily Bible reading and prayer. When we talk about hopelessness, I have personally faced hopelessness over particular situations in my life. I've just felt like, how could this ever change or how can I help this person or that person? How can I affect this situation? And almost this sense of, again, just despondency has started to settle into my heart. And hopelessness can come into our lives for a lot of reasons. Maybe you just sense that you're never going to change personally or always going to wrestle the same things. Or maybe it's been long-term illness or relationship issues or mental illness or ongoing temptations and addictions, or maybe it's watching a loved one struggle in some way or another. Maybe it's depression. Maybe you have a prodigal that's walked away from God years ago, and it just seems impossible for them to come back. Maybe the enemy tells you that nobody loves you, and hopelessness just creeps in and cripples us and leaves us 
really shredded on the inside and it affects our ability to trust God to perform and to do what he can do. And we start to sense that we should give up, that we should quit. And the enemy is quick to fuel those thoughts. But I want to speak very emphatically that we can find hope in the scriptures. We can go to our Bibles, just like it says in Romans 15, 4, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures from the things that were written before can find hope. We can find others who have faced the things we're facing, and that will give us courage and strength to go on. It will give us the ability to to defeat the lies of the enemy and to defeat those feelings of hopelessness. I'm just going to go through just a few stories, just a little handful of people that overcame incredible odds and that can give us hope for our circumstances. You could read the story of Job. And you could find that though he lost everything, he could still bless God. In one day, he lost his children, he lost his home, he lost his wealth, he lost his livelihood, and he lost his livestock. And yet he said this, he said, The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And so when loss affects us, we can still praise God. We can still find something to bless him for, and that gives us hope. You could read the story of Abraham beginning in Genesis chapter 12 and you could find that long waits and unfulfilled promises and impossibility are no match for God. When God gives a promise, it will come to pass. Just like Joshua said, not one thing has failed of all the things that the Lord has spoken. If he's given you a promise, you can take it to the bank. It doesn't matter if it's been years and years and years ago. And the story of Abraham gives us hope with God nothing shall be impossible. We could read the story of Joseph beginning in Genesis chapter 37 and we could discover that God was with him in the lowest seasons of his life. Joseph was betrayed. He was falsely accused and imprisoned under false accusations. He was forgotten about and yet at the end of his life he said, you meant it unto evil You meant it unto me for evil, but God meant it unto me for good to bring to pass as it is this day to save many people alive. And from the story of Joseph, we could discover that it is always possible to forgive. And God will take the unthinkable circumstances of our lives and somehow weave them into a beautiful picture that he is painting. And so again, the story of Joseph gives us hope that it's always possible to forgive and God will use the unthinkable circumstances to do incredible things. We could read the story of Moses, and we could discover that God still used an 80-year-old murderer who had been on the backside of the desert for 40 years, and we could discover hope in the fact that the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. We could read the story of David and see that Though he had egregious failures in his life, his failure was not an epitaph, and he went down in history as a man after God's own heart, as a man whose life was defined by worship, as a man whose life was defined by repentance, by humility, by prayer, and by other beautiful elements and aspects. And that can give us hope. We could read the story of Esther, and we could find that it is possible to do the right thing In the most difficult of circumstances, Esther put her life on the line for the people of God. And it is possible, no matter how hard, we can do the right thing. There's always hope. We could read the story of the woman 
is a widow. She just had a little handful of meal and a little oil. And she found out that the provision of God lasted when she stepped out in obedience and gave the little that she had to the man of God. Her little bit lasted through an entire famine. We could read the story of Hezekiah. I love this story. It's one of the few stories recorded in three places in the Old Testament. It's in Kings, it's in Chronicles, and it's in Isaiah beginning in chapter 37. Hezekiah endured a long siege of the enemy. I believe historically it was 13 years, but that enemy attack was what allowed Hezekiah to leave a legacy for those behind him. And Hezekiah's tunnel stands to this day because of an enemy attack. And God came in and fought that battle. And in one night, one angel of the Lord took care of the army that had laid siege to Hezekiah and the people of God. We could read the story of Mary, the mother of Jesus, and find out that God doesn't need us to have a master's degree hanging on our wall. God uses small, insignificant individuals from small, insignificant places to work his plan, to weave prophetic things to come to pass. And while I don't personally think anyone is insignificant, I know that we all sometimes feel that way. But it gives us hope when we realize that God used people who the world would have considered nobodies to bring his plans to pass. We could read the story of the man by the pool of Bethesda who had been in his condition for 38 years and in his own words had no one to help him get into the pool. But Jesus healed him and Jesus reversed that condition that he had been in a long time. There is always hope. We could read the story of the woman of the issue of blood. The Bible tells us that she had exhausted all options. She had spent all of her money, but she was none the better. But she got desperate, and she forced her way through a crowd, and she touched the hem of his garment. And when she did, virtue flowed from him, and she was healed in a moment. And that gives us hope for our situation. We could read the story of Mary and Martha, whose brother Lazarus died and was laid in a tomb, And we could discover that not even death is final, that the tomb their brother laid in represented complete impossibility, but with God, nothing is impossible. So I would encourage you, if you are facing hopelessness or you're facing despair, hearing those voices in your mind, get into the stories of the Bible and find yourself on the pages of the Word of God. So many people in the Bible faced impossible odds, but they overcame. Read Hebrews 11. It is full of these little tiny Uh, snippets of people's stories, people of faith who didn't have a pretty existence or a pain-free life, but they still overcame. And maybe it won't be a particular story. Maybe it will be in reading the writings that are in the Psalms where other people acknowledge the despair they are feeling. They acknowledge the hopelessness that they're sensing, but yet they always circle back to praise and the goodness of God. And they confess the truth of God's love and his mercy and his faithfulness over the feelings of despair and over the despondency. And they recognize their need for him. And I know I went through a list of stories just now where some received miracles, what we would deem a miracle. And I don't want to tell you that God absolutely will perform for you what you or I would deem a miracle. Hope may not come in that form. But I do want to tell you that he is able But if he chooses not to do what we would deem a miracle, that's when we hold on to the hope of his sovereignty. We hold on to the hope of salvation and we hold on to the hope of heaven. 
Titus 2.13 says, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Heaven is our hope. There is coming a day where every hardship, every struggle, every challenge, every long night, every dark season is going to be worth it all. Heaven truly is our hope. There's always hope. Find hope in the scriptures and refuse to give up hope. Today, I am going to share an entry called A Glimmer of Hope. This is based on a story that is written in 2 Kings towards the end of chapter 6 and then chapter 7. And I would encourage you to read it just for a little bit of context. Um, Essentially, the people in the city of Samaria are starving. They're under siege. The Syrians have surrounded them. And then there's a leper colony outside of the city. They are also starving. And... These lepers become key players in God defeating the enemy of his people. And so without further ado, a glimmer of hope. It is interesting to note about the miracle God performed in 2 Kings 7. The city of Samaria was under siege by the Syrians. 2 Kings 6.24 says, all his host. He had brought all he had in terms of militia to defeat Samaria. The situation in Samaria was desperate. No one could go in or out. People were starving to the point of eating bird dung and their own children. It was a dire situation, completely grim. Number three, God chose to use the actions of four unlikely candidates to defeat the enemy of God's people. Four lepers, four outcasts. They weren't qualified to defeat even one enemy let alone an entire army. Undoubtedly, they were not only starving, but weak and wounded from the ravaging effects of their leprous condition. They weren't even trying to defeat the enemy or contemplating how they might. They were simply trying to survive. They had no battle plans, no strategy. They simply weighed their options and took action on the most likely plan for survival. They had three choices. Stay where they were and starve, go into the city and starve, or walk toward the enemy and surrender, hoping the enemy would potentially save us alive. It was unlikely, but the only hope they had. That is all God needed to perform the miraculous and defeat the enemy of his people. The footsteps of four lepers in survival mode. He just needed a little action from a few who would move in the direction of the tiniest glimmer of hope. Their attempt at survival brought victory and food for so many more than themselves. Number four, as they walked, God performed the miraculous. And they rose up in the twilight to go to the camp of the Assyrians, or the Syrians. And when they were come to the uttermost camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. The Syrians assumed it was their enemy. Wherefore, they arose in the twilight and fled. So hysterical. God used the unlikely actions of unlikely candidates to unfold the miraculous, not only in their lives, but in the lives of his people. Once they realize everyone is gone, they began to eat and drink and enjoy the spoils left behind in the Syrians' haste. They realize this. We do not well. Now therefore come that we may tell the king's household. A 
Upon the delivery of the news to the king's household, it is assumed this is a further strategical move of the enemy to draw the starving Israelites out of the walls of Samaria. So it is determined to send out scrolls. The situation in Samaria is so severe that there are only a few horses left to send and see. I love that the Bible includes this detail. I think it is to further reiterate just how dire things were for God's people and how unlikely this miracle would be. Then, one of the funniest pictures painted by the scriptures, chapter 7, verse 15 says, And they went after them unto Jordan, and lo, all the way was full of garments and vessels which the Syrians had cast away in their haste. And the messengers returned and told the king, God had caused such great fear to descend upon the Syrians at the sound of nothing more than four leprous men's footsteps. The fear was so great that they're throwing things to the side as they retreat in fear. I find the scene depicted in that verse to be completely hysterical. So the word of the Lord spoken by Elisha at the beginning of the chapter comes to pass. In less than 24 hours, the dire situation of the people of Samaria turns to abundance. Verse 16 says, And the people went out and spoiled the tents of the Syrians. So a measure of fine flour was sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel, according to the word of the Lord. No more bird dung, no more horse meat, which I imagine to be quite tough. No more disputing over whose child would be eaten next. The long siege of the enemy came to an abrupt end simply because four lepers decided to move. They refused to give in to despondency and moved toward what was truly the only faint glimmer of hope they had. Their refusal to give up allowed God to defeat the enemy without one drawn sword or one drop of shed blood. The word of the Lord and the deliverance of his people came to pass because four very unlikely, small and insignificant men chose to exhaust every option in the quest to survive. Let me just remind myself, God does not need a lot. He does not need an army or a commander general. He doesn't need a strategy or battle plans mapped out on a scroll. Sometimes all he needs is footsteps. He needs someone who will keep going, though the glimmer of hope is faint. Sometimes all he needs is one or two or three or four who, like the lepers, know they are nothing but refuse to give up to an untimely death. The battle truly is the Lord's. The long siege and dire situation in Samaria had no bearing on his ability to turn things around in a split second, and he did it in a way that no one would have expected and only he could get credit for. Just FYI, by the grace of God, let me keep walking, keep moving toward the glimmer of hope I see. Let me say with the lepers, why sit we here until we die? And with David, I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. Psalm 118, verse 7. Remember, sometimes God just needs us to refuse to give up, to keep walking, to hold our ground, to refuse to listen to the voices of despair, to refuse to listen to the voices of hopelessness, to refuse to give up hope and to refuse to give in. There is always hope. Find hope in the scriptures. Just like it says, Romans 15, 4, whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience 
and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Don't give up hope and just keep walking. Thank you so much for joining me for this journey. I look forward to meeting up with you again next Friday. If you have questions or to download a typed or handwritten manuscript of today's entry, you can visit meganedited.com. For now, go grab your journal and your Bible. I look forward to the power of this habit in your life. This is Unedited. This is for you. Happy Friday.